Right guys, this is chapter one, identifying requirements. It's the second of the podcasts. In this one, all I'm going to do is go through some basic exam techniques, how to explore a design solution, social, moral, cultural issues, and how to design a usable product. Okay, just lead you into this song now, and I'll leave you alone. Right, hopefully that's put you in a little bit of a calm mood 
to start off this one. Um, the first thing I'm going to go through in this is the basic exam techniques. So you've all started obviously to revise and to know, you need to know how to answer an exam question. So I went through this link in quite detail in the last podcast. It's going to give you a few just tips just to remember. So always read every single question carefully in the exam. You don't need to write an essay about modelling if it's asking you about developing prototypes. Second one, use the number of marks as a guide on how much to write. Try to write a point for each mark. For example, if the question's worth three marks, write three points, not just a single sentence. The third one, write your answers clearly. Use good grammar, spelling and punctuation. If the examiner can't read your answer, you won't get any marks even if it's right. You need to use the correct terminology. Know all of your technical terms. Don't do anything, well don't write anything in generic terms. So just saying wood. Be specific in the type of wood. Don't say plastic. Be specific in the type of plastic. You need to make sure if you're drawing, all of your sketches are clear. Don't keep on crossing things out. Make sure you've got a rubber with you. And make it easy for the examiner to see what you're trying to communicate. Okay, it's a good annotation. Make sure it's clear. Make sure it's well spaced out. The final one, of these little tips is don't panic. If you really can't do a question, leave it and move on to the next one. Leave enough time for you to come back to it at the end of the exam. Throughout the exam, there's gonna be command words that will be used. So these words will tell you how to answer the question. So there might be something like state. So you should give a short answer or list, you don't need to explain why, if it says state. Next one is define. You should give a clear, precise meaning of the word or the phrase, if it's saying define. The next one, outline. Here, if it says outline, you need to give a brief summary of a process. Next one, explain. This is where you go into a bit of a detail. So you should give reasons and, and say why something is happening, something has happened, and so on. Next one, describe. So you should give a detailed description of something if it's telling you to describe it. When it's a discuss question, so if it says discuss, you should make a balanced argument covering a range of opinions. And the final one I'm going to give you is assessing and evaluating. So this one here, you'll know from your courseworks, you should use evidence and your own knowledge to come up with a conclusion. All right, so those were just the little tips on the exam. Each podcast is going to have a little tip, but just bear those in mind. Keep those ready for the exam. All right.
The first part of chapter one of the identifying the requirements is how to create a design solution. Now, this is something that you've been working upon in your coursework for the last six months. You know how to create a design solution. You've been working through it in each of your pages of your courseworks. So you need to bear in mind, every single product begins with a design context or a design situation. Like those ones you were given right at the start of the coursework. Okay, to come over those, you design some sort of a concept map. So where it's being used, where it's going to be used, the influences in the product, existing products that are available, what the actual product has to be used for, okay, the different options of it. These can all be used later on in the task when you're going into it a little bit more detail. Next one is where and when will the product be used? This is when you need to be thinking about a location analysis or something where you can analyse just different locations where it's going to be used. If, for instance, it's some sort of seating, is it going to be a bench outdoors? If it's outdoors, therefore it's going to have to have some sort of weatherproofing. It's got to have a material that can survive different weather conditions. If it's a settee indoors, you've got to think about who's going to be using it. If it's a little kid using it, then they might be bouncing on it all the time. So it can't just be made of wood, like a bench outdoors would be. It can be made of different materials. So all these little things in a location analysis needs to be kept in mind. The next one is in the creating a design solution is you need to identify the primary user and the stakeholder. Now these two words have gone with you throughout the whole of your coursework and you should know what a primary user is and a stakeholder is inside out. Primary user is the person that is going to be using this product all of the time. Okay, they are the main user of this product. The stakeholder, are people that have an interest in it. So they might not be using it all the time. They might be buying it for someone else. But they are a main, main features of the design. With these primary user and stakeholders, we need to be thinking about things like human factors. So human factors are the scientific disciplines of how humans interact with a product. So this is where we take primary user and the stakeholders, maybe measurements, things like that, and look at designing a product that fits them really well. Now, this is something that you'll be moving on to in a minute. Well, we'll be moving on to it in the ergonomics and anthropometrics, but that's what human factors means, and we need to bear that in mind for the stakeholder. When we're looking into primary user and stakeholder, we need to get all the information from them. So we look into questionnaires, interviews with them. We need to be thinking about focus groups. There's advantages and disadvantages of focus groups. The main advantage is obviously you're going to get all of the information from them. You're going to get a range of information, a wide range of information. Now these are really good at getting that 
information, but can also be quite deceiving. Okay, because you could just get a load of people that have an interest in this product. You're not getting a wide range of people that don't really have an interest. So you need to make sure in that focus group there is a range of people, a massive range of people. So for the identifying, so how to actually come up with a design solution, those are the main areas of it. The next part in this is we're going to look at actual social, cultural, moral and economic considerations when we're designing a product. Now, these are massive factors and this is a massive question within your, within your exam. Okay, there has been an exam question on this quite a few times. But this is a good question for you to get some marks on. Now, when we're looking into these considerations, we need to be looking at new products and how these new products change the way we live. Okay, is it going against normal tradition? Are these traditional things that we're using in everyday lives needing improvements? Now, these can cause a bit of an effect on maybe people that have those traditional values. So going against their cultural beliefs, going against their social beliefs. But sometimes those improvements maybe heighten social interaction, for instance. Massive, massive um, example of this is the mobile phone and the computer. Mobile phones encourage huge amounts of social interaction. They allow people to communicate instantly. They um, send files over the internet really quickly to one another, one side of the world to the other side of the world. However, there are massive problems with this as well. You've got bullying that happens online. You've got no more talking face-to-face. -face. So the actual social interaction one-to-one -one, is failing us, okay? We can't interact with each other when we just see someone in the street. We have to use WhatsApp or something like that. The computer is the same thing, okay? We're not interacting with each other one-to-one. -on -one -one. However, there are massive advantages of it, okay? Look at the amount of work that is produced on a computer. Everything in the world is run by a computer, okay? That could be a disadvantage because at one click, it could all go down. So those are kind of social problems that could cause, could be from products or could come from products. We need to remember that all products need to be inclusive. This means that an inclusive product is something that encourages the design to include everybody. Okay, so everybody can use it. The one, the major problem with having an inclusive product is that there is a vast amount of people to cater for in this. And you will see later on in this little topic that there are beliefs in cultures that you just can't, you can't tend to. So you will need to make exceptions to this rule. So some of your products will not be inclusive. 
but you then make a product for that person that includes them. So a different product. So if it's just for right-handed people, you make a left-handed one as well. Something like that. In this social, cultural, moral and economic considerations, within the economic part, we need to think about impacts of things like CAD-CAM, so computer-aided design and computer-aided manufacture. Computer-aided design, big benefits of it, computer-aided manufacture, massive benefits of it. Okay, they produce products really quickly. There's a lot more accuracy to the products. We've been able to churn off products massive amounts in a really short base of time. However, there are huge money costs to this. It levels out over time, but the initial costs are big. There is also an effect to the people using these. So before, when it was a handmade job, handmade product, it would be just a person in the factory making these. However, now it's gone on to be the computer making them and the machine making them. So people have lost their jobs because of this. Therefore, areas in the country, think about car manufacturers, everything that used to be done by human is now being done by machines. <clears throat> Those areas are deprived because people are out of work. They're on benefits. They can't get a job because there's no jobs there because it's a massive factory. They used to employ tens of thousands of people now tens of thousands of people are out of a job. So you need to be able to realise the problems that technological, techn technical advantages, advances sorry, have on the country. Economic issues also spread to how you manufacture a product. So when you manufacture abroad, think about the conditions that people are working in when manufacturing abroad. So we have Fair Trade Alliance now. These consider all the con conditions that people are working in. We think about how people actually work when manufacturing abroad and these bad conditions. So we need to get rid of those and be aware of what's happening. On the cultural side of this, products need to be designed with culture in mind. One advantage of designing a product for main use in the UK is that we are a culturally diverse country and we it's second nature that all products are inclusive for pretty much everybody in this country. Every, every person that lives here can use a product. There is no discrimination within the products. However, designers need to consider how products will be received in other countries you need to just think about countries in Southeast Asia or South Asia. Colours like black and white in this country, black means death, kind of mourning. White is considered to be pure, is colours that we use at weddings. Now, in Asia, the black colour is seen to be the complete opposite. It's what's worn at a wedding. It is what's seen as the pure colour. And the white is seen as the death colour. It's what's worn at a funeral. 
So these little problems, if we design a product that is black and it's designed for a funeral, then it will cause offence in those countries if we had to sell it. We also need to think about the functions of a product. So we don't want to take away the, the traditional skills. So maybe think about the skills that can be still used to make a product or the typical functions of a product. Another area in this is globalization. Now this has ensured that products are easily sold globally, but it also encourages a cultural identity. So this means that products can be sold can be sold globally, but also you recognize where it, where that product has come from. So we know that it's a British product because it might have a British value to it. The final area of this is the sustainability. So sustainability within this, so it comes under the economic side of it. We're always experimenting with new ways to create a sustainable product. Okay, so recycling the plastics and so on. We need to be aware of different materials that are around us at the moment and how they can encourage to promote a sustainable economic future for the country or for the world. So that is an area that is massively needed in the exam. The actual definition of a sustainable economic growth is the development that aims to satisfy the economic needs of humans while sustaining natural resources such as materials and the environment for future generations. All right, so just bear that in mind if there was an exam question come up on that. All right, that's the end of that section of the chapter. Oh boy. Right, as this is a pretty long podcast for the first one, I'm going to introduce you to another song now. Okay, this is one of my favourites. So we'll get you a little bit hyped up for the next part. Introduce you to this.
Right, you need to calm down after that one. Okay, so the next part of this is how to design a usable product. Now this is a very simple area, okay, which you've all, you should all know inside out because you've been doing this throughout the whole of your time in, in DT. Um, usability is how easy a product is to use and how clear and obvious the functions are. So we always design a product with the user in mind. So therefore, consider a badly designed product could be uncomfortable for the user. So you think about how uncomfortable a pencil would be if it was square. So if it had square bits on it where the pencil end of the pencil was, it'd be really uncomfortable to write with. So therefore, it's long, thin, smooth. It fits in your fingers really well. Now, this can have a massive impact on the user's lifestyle. So this could be thinking about back pains if it was a chair that had really horrible seating position in it. It can cause long-lasting injury, a bad product that is designed. Um, this, leads us, this leads us on to inclusivity in design. So we need to be thinking about things like a toothbrush, how easy a toothbrush is to use. Every single person that uses a toothbrush can use it. Okay, there's no ifs or buts on it. Okay, there's no confusion in how to use a toothbrush. It's there, you use it. The same with a remote control. Maybe the first time you ever looked at a remote control, it was hard to use. Okay, because you didn't know what all the buttons were. But every single remote control you use for your televisions are the same layout. It's got the same red button for the standby. It's got the same little symbols on it for the volume up and down and the program up and down. Okay, so you know what it is, what the remote control is asking for you. And every single remote control has those standard shapes on it, those standard buttons. So when creating a product that is inclusive, we need to think about all of the potential barriers that can cause a problem and we need to remove them. First area of this is thinking about the ergonomics and the anthropometrics when we're designing this product. Now I mentioned it earlier about the ergonomics and anthropometrics. This is a little bit more detail. So ergonomics, in case you forgot, this is about understanding how we as humans interact with a product. So this is how we consider how they work, how they look, the environment that they're used in. This is how the human understands how to use a product. So the colors used, comfortable use of the product. So exactly what I was saying about the remote control then, the colors on the remote control, the symbols on the remote control, that all goes down into the ergonomics of it. So how easy it is to use. Think about when you're in a lift, those lift buttons, they're laid out in the same way in most lifts. Okay, so you don't get confused when you're stuck in the middle of a lift and you don't know where to go up and down, which way. Okay, it's all there for you. The anthropometrics. This is people measurements. So this is where all parts of the human body are measured in all ages. Okay, this is a, an average age. Not every single person in the world has to get measured. 
but this is just the average of every single person. This provides us with a fifth percentile, which is the lowest measurement, so the smallest of measurements, a 50th percentile, which is the average measurement, and the 95th percentile, which is going to be the largest measurement. When you're designing a product, you aim to design for 90% of these people. So missing out the people at the tip of the fifth percentile down to the bottom and people at the, tip, at the bottom of the 95th percentile to 100%. Okay, so all those people from 5% to 85 to 95% need to be covered. Okay, those 5% in the, in the smallest and those 5% in the largest we can design a small product that fits that user. But we need to be aiming for 90% of the people to be satisfied and included in this product. So that's where the anthropometrics come in, the people measurements. One task that I want you to think about is consider the usability of maybe scissors and a normal seat. Think about when you're using scissors, when you're sitting down in a seat, how easy or how hard it is to be comfortable in it. Think about how the ergonomics and the anthropometrics have been considered in that product. And it will make you understand the actual way it's all designed. The next section is the aesthetic considerations. Now this one here is simply looking at how a product is is colored how a product is designed okay to make it look pleasing products should always be aesthetically pleasing okay this means that a product should always look nice basically so we always need to have nice looking products that are beautiful to the senses aesthetics it's plain and simple, are factors concerned with the appreciation of beauty. This can include things like the looks of it, the sounds of it, the feels of it, the tastes, the smells, all those different senses in the human body. Users will usually be drawn to a product on its aesthetic appearance alone. Okay, so it doesn't matter how it's functioning, if a product looks nice in the shop, they're going to go straight to that one. However, aesthetics are personal. Okay, so what's one person might like, another person might not. So we have to be careful here as well. This is where the Bauhaus Design School created a phrase that is going to be with you forever. Okay, it's form follows function. So this basically means, so long as the products perform in the correct way, the looks can follow. So both must be balanced and the aesthetics should communicate with function and not improve it. So this is basically saying that any looks of the product cannot hamper how it is performing. So the product always has to be performing to its best. Okay, it doesn't matter how it's looking, the product always does what it's supposed to be doing. Okay, and that is where the Bauhaus Design School 
has created an absolute gem of a saying there. Okay, we just have to look at the Philip Stark lemon squeezer. Okay, that is one area that it's a pretty ugly thing if you look at it, the Philip Stark lemon squeezer, but it does its job. It is what it's supposed to do. And then the, fun the aesthetics of it come afterwards. The next part is the colour. So the colours follow into the aesthetic considerations as well. But colours stimulate the emotions. Okay, so that's one area that is similar to what we were thinking about with the social and cultural things before. This is where colours need to be considered. We think about what the colour red means. Red is being aggressive. It's an, it's an evil colour. Pink, however, very similar to red, but pink is soft. It's like a loving colour. It's sympathetic. And then we go to the other end and we've got black. And black is very serious. It's very evil. Okay, black is dark. It's like a horrible Halloween-y colour. We always need to be wary of what the colours mean. So that might be a good thing for you to actually look at, is looking into what those colours all mean. <clears throat> Along with the colours, the colour wheel was produced by Isaac Newton in 1666. Now, this colour wheel is the f a fantastic, a fantastic diagram. And it's all derived from the primary colours. So the red, the blue, the green and the yellow, all derives all the colours. So the way it's laid out, you'll see that all the colours next to each other are complementary colours. So the colours that go with each other. So the red next to the orange, it complements it. The orange next to the yellow, it complements it. They're good colours together. However, on the colour wheel, you have colours that are opposite each other. So you have things like the blue and the orange. They don't go. They're contrasting colours. And they don't look very good together. These are areas that you need to be considering when you look at the aesthetic purpose of your product and how it looks. One of the final areas that we're going to go into today is the proportion, symmetry and golden ratios of a product. So this is all when considering a usable product. We need to be looking at how a product is proportioned. So the proportion is the relative size and scale of the various elements in a design. So this means that a product must look maybe symmetrical. It must look in proportion. Okay, symmetry is when elements are arranged in the same way on both sides of an axis or when rotated around a point. Okay, symmetry creates balance in a design and in turn creates harmony. Think about things like a butterfly. You chopped a butterfly right down in half, both sides of the butterfly are going to be exactly the same. Okay, the same colours on both sides of the butterfly. Okay, and that is why a butterfly is considered to be a beautiful creature because it's symmetrical. It's symmetrical all the way. However, asymmetry is the absence of symmetry in any kind. Okay, so these make things look a bit ugly. 
There's another thing called golden ratio. The golden ratio is a common mathematical ratio found in nature that can be used to create pleasing, natural-looking compositions in your design work. Also known as the golden mean, the golden section, or by the Greek letter phi, or pi, I don't know. But this is where it basically says that maths in nature can lead to good aesthetics. So, that is the end of that. You'll realise that in the exam techniques, okay, what we've been through today, remember those command words, what I've said, remember those top tips, okay? Please take note of those command words and then look into all of those four areas. So the four areas that we've gone into, looking at how to explore a design solution. So looking into the mind maps, the primary and stakeholders. Looking into the social moral issues. So thinking about cultural issues, economic issues, social issues, moral issues. And then thinking about how to design a usable product. So looking into inclusive design, how to use anthropometrics, ergonomics in your design. Looking at the aesthetics in a design as well. Think about symmetry, the colour wheels. Consider all this when you're doing this, when you're looking over it. Okay, thanks guys. And I'll see you for the chapter two for the next one. I'll leave you with this track.
Try to be someone Try to be someone Try to be someone